You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to our latest Marketing News Canada episode. I'm your host today, Cheryl. And today we'll be diving into the world of programmatic media with our special guest, Jeremy Friedman, who is head of programmatic media agency Google Canada, as well as Ben Wise, who is head of programmatic media at Google Canada. So Jeremy Friedman has spent most of his decade plus digital media career in the programmatic space, first at Olive Media and then at Google, where he has worked across a variety of sales and technology roles. Currently, Jeremy leads a team of account executives and account managers who partner with some of the largest programmatic agencies in Canada. He has a passion for industry education and has built a strong reputation for taking complicated ad tech concepts and making them digestible. So welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. No problem. And we also have Ben Wise. Ben Wise is a 15-year industry veteran who has held successive sales and leadership roles at Google, where he is currently the head of programmatic media, working with the largest agencies and brands in Canada to build the future of media buying. Ben is active in his community, where he serves on the board of the Daily Bread Food Bank and recently completed a two-year term as the board chair. Ben advises multiple startups on sales and go-to-market strategy and volunteers in various mentorship programs helping students and young professionals. So welcome, Ben. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. Awesome. So excited to have both of you here. To get us started, I'd love if you could give us a little background on what exactly your jobs entail? Yeah, so I guess together we kind of co-lead the programmatic strategy across Google Canada for, for the largest partners that the company works with. That includes everything from growing and building and developing the team of account managers and sellers that we have that we like to think is the best in the business, um, and then kind of defining what are those key strategic bets that we want to place to, to build the business for us in a way that is the most beneficial to our clients. And I think what's great about what we get to do is um, it's very win-win. When our clients succeed, we succeed. So it helps us be really good advisors and good partners to our clients. Awesome. Anything to add, Jeremy? Yeah, I think that was really well said. The way that I kind of like to think about it is, you know, our responsibility is very much around DB360 as Google's enterprise programmatic platform. And we really partner with the ecosystem in all shapes and forms to make sure that everybody's getting as much as possible out of that platform and to really help make you know, every, every campaign that runs a success. And for those who may be unfamiliar with that platform and what programmatic media is, do you have an easy explanation of what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think one of the most interesting things about programmatic is it feels like a very impenetrable concept. It seems so complicated, but really all it really means is transacting media through technology platforms, using one piece of software to buy media called a DSP or demand-side platform that allows advertisers and agencies to place their ads all over the internet. And on the other side of that, there's a selling platform called an exchange or a supply-side platform that publishers use to sell media. And programmatic is really the transaction in the middle. Awesome. That's a great explanation for those of us who are slightly unfamiliar with the platform in general. So when it comes to programmatic media, what are the top trends advertisers and marketers should be watching for when developing those strategies for 2023 and beyond? 
Yeah, so I think part of why we were invited on, on the podcast today is a LinkedIn post that Ben and I co-authored on programmatic trends in 2023. And we were reflecting on that post a couple of days ago when we were preparing for this podcast. And I think we were both really interested in the idea that as a space, programmatic is kind of constantly playing catch up with the way users consume content online. So all three of the trends that we kind of wrote about and that we'd love to discuss today are all things that really speak to that point. As an industry, we're really just following where the consumer is going. Yeah, so I guess with that kind of background, the the first trend that we see uh, is kind of the, the focus on connected TV or CTV. We could say 2023 is the year of CTV. I joined Google in 2011, and I can remember that year, all of our presentations started with a big, beautiful slide that said, 2011, the year of mobile. Then in 2012, we just changed the slide and said 2012, the year of mobile. And I think we did that four or five years in a row. And I'd say that's kind of where we are with connected TV. 2023 is the year of connected TV, but it's the first of probably three or four of those years of connected TV. Um, so what I think we expect to see this year is brands are, are really starting to plan for the living room and how to reach those audiences, but with much more of a mix of digital and traditional channels. But those digital components are now seen as core to how you reach users in their living room. And so you hear about brands like Netflix and Disney Plus who are starting to launch their ad-supported tiers. And certainly this brings a lot more focus to this space. But even before then, there was no shortage of inventory and of reach on connected TVs already. What I hope is that really this year we see traditional TV buyers partnering a lot more closely with digital planners and programmatic teams to reach users uh, on the connected TV screens in their lives, regardless of how they choose to watch that TV. Well said. Yeah, I, I was sent that post a couple of times. So I was a, couple <laughs> it's a really of good one. A couple of times, yes. <laughs> the power of uh, LinkedIn. Yes, it's very powerful. So I think that the second main trend that we're really looking out for this year is around privacy. And over the past couple of years, we've seen this massive, massive shift in the way that users feel about their privacy on the web. I think about my non-industry friends. I've, I've been in the space since 2012. And for a decade, not a single one of them ever asked me what a cookie was until the last few years where everybody is asking what cookies do, how are they being tracked, what do brands, tech companies, etc. know about them online. And so I think that this mainstreaming of privacy conversations combined with the regulation that's being introduced at regional, national levels around the world has really pushed us as an industry to evolve towards more privacy-focused advertising capabilities. It's also challenged a lot of methodologies behind the scenes that folks in the industry really took for granted, and that's a good thing. We actually think it's a really good thing because as an industry now, we're moving forward into a better version of all of those things with privacy more at the center. And so with Chrome's third-party cookie deprecation delayed till 2024, we really think that this year, 2023, is super fertile ground for agencies, marketers, tech partners to really experiment with new methodologies, things like Google's Pair, which folks may have read about in a blog post that Google released a little while back, and really kind of accelerate down this runway together towards what is going to be a new normal. So 2023, time of flux, continuous flux in the privacy space, but we're kind of all in this together. And, and Ben and myself are really excited to be kind of building what a privacy-forward ecosystem looks like in programmatic along with our partners. Yeah, that's great. And then our, our last trend that we kind of highlighted in the LinkedIn post was what we're calling breaking down barriers. And what we're referring to here is specifically thinking of the silos between different media teams. 
it still makes me scratch my head when I hear people talk about traditional versus digital media. And to be fair, I'm guilty of it. I realize I said that in, <laughs> about two minutes ago on this recording. But if you think about it, that is a division that I can promise you no normal person thinks about media like that. It's entirely a divide made up by people in the industry for people in the industry. Um, so let me give you an example. When I'm listening to music in the car, I don't think of the music in terms of how I actually access it. So I could be listening to the radio. I could be listening to a streaming service. I still have a few CDs in the car even. Regardless of which one I'm using, the song that I listen to sounds exactly the same. To me, I'm just listening to music. And reaching that user, you have a lot more options in how you can do that. But from a user perspective, that's all one thing. And I think breaking down the silos, the barriers between the way that media folks and industry folks think about those different types of ways to access a user is one of the best ways that we can drive the business forward across all of those channels. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to trying to target audiences with the push towards privacy and kind of breaking those barriers between those media channels, how do you, would you advise agencies or companies to kind of I guess, hone in on their targeting when those things are going to start occurring? It's a good question. And I think the additional ways of being able to access a user certainly creates kind of some fragmentation and complications, but the technology that's available to do that really brings a lot of new capabilities around things like audience targeting and and what, what have you. So, so I think from an execution standpoint, programmatic practitioners actually have a lot more levers that they can pull than we did 10 or 15 years ago with kind of the, the traditional, I know this is an audio recording, you can't see my fingers doing the air quotes, <laughs> but kind of the, the traditional tool. So I would say make use of those, go deeper on what you think in terms of targeting. There's a lot more available beyond kind of demographics or geolocation or kind of day parting and approach it with a, a mindset of learning and experimentation and figuring out what works because you have a lot more capabilities. So you have the ability to be more effective as long as you take the time to kind of critically think about it and land on what's most effective. And when I think about this, especially in the CTV space, as Ben mentioned, you know, the year of CTV 2023, no lie, it's true. It's the year of CTV <laughs> right now. And I, I think that everybody kind of knows that as Canadians, especially, our viewing habits have just changed so significantly in the last couple of years. We're streaming more and more content on our TV screens than ever before with the rise of connected TV. But our definition of TV has completely changed. It's really any TV screen that's connected to the internet and that people can use to access the world of streaming, including through game consoles, Chromecast, things like that. I think back when I was a kid, I used to remember every Thursday night, I had to be home at 8 o'clock to watch The Simpsons. And it was the most important thing in the entire world to me. Yes. And now I think about the world that my daughter's living in when she has every conceivable piece of content at her fingertips on a plethora of devices at any time. So I think for brands, what CTV does is it kind of enables them to have the best of both worlds. They have the big screen impact of a physical television screen with kind of the precision and control of digital. And I don't think that privacy fundamentally changes that in, in any way. I think that all of the same concepts apply. What starts to shift a little bit is about how we leverage those concepts and how we leverage the different methodologies that actually enable that. So when we think about CTV, brands really just need to be building a playbook that represents where their audiences are watching television. So meeting folks where they are, which is, again, this big theme in programmatic. We've always been playing catch up to the way that users are changing their behavior. And so with CTV, brands can apply different tactics, learnings, KPIs of digital marketing 
and kind of take all of that and look at TV kind of through that lens. And with things like audience targeting, you're able to reach and engage the right audiences, the ones that are most relevant to a brand. And with that brings all of the things that make programmatic so special, efficiencies with budget, operational efficiencies, ease of use. And it allows everybody to kind of be more flexible with their messaging to audiences. So for example, if you're marketing a new smartphone, the coolest smartphone that's ever existed, back to the year mobile, 2023, the year of CTV, <laughs> but also the year of this fictional smartphone that I'm just made up. But different creatives for that smartphone campaign might speak to totally different audiences in different formats. People with an affinity for photography might care more about the camera features, while frequent travelers might care more about battery life. So there's all of these different ways that we've kind of grown up as a digital industry in terms of how we speak to customers. And all of that applies in the CTV space as well, which I think is just this really, really cool opportunity for brands and their partners to take advantage of uh, this year. And now we just have to wait for the little kids to go to bed before we can binge on The Simpsons again. Yes, right, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so 2023, year of CTV, where do you see that going? So 2027, year of CTV. <laughs> I think that quite simply, it's going to be the predominant way that people access television. Like we used to do this, this training session at Google and I would ask folks in the room, like what, you know, put up your hand if you still have terrestrial cable. And over time, as we did that session, the, the mix of hands that would go up or not go up kind of changed. Do you? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do too. So it, it's still around. And again, like the content that we get on televisions is very important content. And it's, you know, water cooler content. It's binge worthy, worthy. It's all of these different things. But I think as time goes, you know, from now until, as you said, 2027, I think we see a lot more folks access television content through connected TV as kind of their mode of entry, as opposed to, you know, to Ben's point, the air quotes around traditional ways of accessing that type of content. And I certainly kind of see that for my own personal, you know, television watching habits. Almost all of the shows that I watch now, I'm either Chromecasting, I'm either using my PlayStation as an input device. And that's a completely different behavior for myself personally than it was three years ago, four years ago, or even a year ago, frankly. And I think a lot of other Canadians are in a similar spot with their own kind of behavior changing. Yeah, that's a great point about how all of us, we are changing our habits throughout technology, really. So as an advertiser, a marketer, how can we meet these changing behaviors and expectations of consumers? Well, I I think at a a very broad level, the, the key first is understanding those changes. And, you know, we have said a few times how we're, as an industry, and I would say not just programmatic, I would say marketing and advertising as a whole, are playing catch up with the consumer. So people say, if you know, if we're two or three years behind, if you want to ask, where is the industry going to be in 2025 or 2026? It's where the consumers are today. So look at what your consumers are doing. Look at how they're interacting with media. Look at all of the different touch points and opportunities you now have and it's more fragmented, which makes it a little bit more complicated. But also the technology is advancing in such a way that you can actually make better use of it than you ever could before. So I think really just taking that step back and thinking about your user first. And I can give you an, an example um, from my household. So my, my eldest son, he's 10. He is absolutely hockey obsessed. And so every day before school and after school, he asks me to put hockey on the TV. Sometimes... It's a live game. Sometimes he wants to see highlights from the night before. Sometimes he wants to watch the news and highlight reels of his favorite players. 
the actual content for any of those is going to be a mix of things. Sometimes it's our regular TV cable. Sometimes it's our streaming subscription on Sportsnet. Sometimes we're watching it directly on YouTube. But my son doesn't ever say, hey, can I watch hockey on YouTube or can I watch hockey on the Sportsnet app? He just says, can I watch hockey on TV? And I think that's just a, you know, an example of a 10-year-old who is seeing the world the way that we as marketers need to see it. So just keeping our eyes out to those very obvious behaviors that we all see in our own lives and that we you know, have all the data in the world to support it. But seeing it in your own kids maybe makes it yeah, exactly. at home a little bit harder. Definitely. You didn't just mention YouTube. So I'm wondering where that kind of all fits in uh, when it comes to the that rising interest around CTV. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Absolutely. And, you know, me and Jay are both work at Google. We would not be good Kool-Aid drinking Googlers if we did not <laughs> talk about YouTube when <laughs> discussing connected TV. Uh, I mean, it, it's no secret that YouTube, I think, has always been at the forefront of this shift to streaming. And, you know, if we go back, some of the data we have going back to the end of 2021 was something like 16 million Canadians were streaming YouTube on their TV screens. YouTube is clearly a mainstay of Canadian living rooms, as well as our phones and our laptops and all that stuff. And this has been, I think, a key driver of the way that Canadians define TV itself. So you know, we have survey data that says 61% of Canadians say that YouTube is TV when you view it on the television screen. And again, that goes back to my son asking to watch highlights from YouTube on the TV. He just says, put it on the TV. But it's nice to have the, you know, the formalized data of Canadian users at large to show factually what we know intuitively to be true just from watching my kid watch hockey. Definitely. I, yeah, I've even gone to friends how I was like, oh, like someone put on music and they just go on their TV and they just put YouTube videos or like music videos. And it didn't really click until really right now that it was really almost the start of that connected TV, all of the streaming. So I am definitely guilty of still having like traditional cable TV. My fiance constantly asks why we still have it. And I, for some reason, don't want to get rid of it for no reason at all. Me too. Me too. I don't know why. I just still need it. <laughs> Do you see that medium slowly just phasing out as this digital acceleration? Or is there going to be a more hybrid approach? I wouldn't say that I expect it to necessarily phase out. And I definitely don't have a crystal ball on, on what's going to happen over the next few years. There are a lot of people that still have their TV subscription. And I don't think we want to necessarily make a prediction or, or make any judgment on if people should or shouldn't. We'll follow the data and we'll, we'll try to reach users where they are. And if users want to be on a traditional TV cable, cool. If they want to watch something from YouTube on their TV screen, also cool. I, I think the reality for marketers is just we need to understand where users are and how they're accessing content because that is how we in the advertising industry can reach them with the messages that we want, regardless of which option they choose to do it. And I think to your question about hybrid, I think that that very much is becoming the reality. Again, just bringing this into my own world, when my wife is watching Grey's Anatomy, even though we have a cable subscription, she's usually accessing that subscription through her phone, Chromecasting it to the television. 
as opposed to, you know, again, what that behavior might have looked like a couple of years back. So to Ben's point, it really is just about understanding where our users are, how they are consuming this content. And as marketers, it's our responsibility to kind of meet them where they are. Yeah, definitely. And because it's connected TV, it's video, it's what, like, that's what people are watching when they're on it. When does that creative come into play when we are using like the video type for our advertising? Yeah, my first job at Google was actually on creative support across all the agencies. So, so the, the role of creative is one that is very near and dear to me. Just to add some data to that point, I would say, depending on which study you look at, somewhere between 50 and 70% of an advertising campaign success comes down to creative. This is true across all mediums. It is hugely important and impactful, but it doesn't always get the effort to match the impact that it has. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the sad reality is that a lot of creative in programmatic can sometimes be an afterthought. We just take existing creative, whether it's a radio ad or a TV spot, and we just put it through the digital channel and put it online, even though sometimes it needs a little bit of customization. And to go beyond just the, the CTV piece, you know, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. No one at the creative agency jumps to put up their hand to work on display banners that end up on on, on programmatic pipes, even though they are, you know, there's a lot of money behind it and there's a lot of impact that it drives. And I get that, but the technology in this space and the data that we have available to inform those creatives is really amazing. And I'd say extremely underutilized. People talk about, you know, the sexiest thing in creative, thinking of those multi-million dollar spots that we just saw in the Super Bowl. But for me, the coolest creative is the one that speaks to me directly. And that's going to be true for everybody else, but it's also going to be different from person to person. I think really taking advantage of the capabilities and formats and data that the technology offers means that we get much better, more compelling creative that is far more engaging and far more personalized to individual users and what they care about. Again, following users and what they're interested in and their behaviors. We've talked a lot about that on the media side. We should be doing the exact same thing on the creative side. I think to do that really is comes a lot down to the communication between the media and the creative side and breaking down those silos, fostering that collaboration. A word that you use there, I think that is super key to this, is just underutilized. We've seen so many examples when this is done correctly of what the impact is and just how amazing it can be. But that wall between, I think, the people who are building creative and the people who are planning strategy around programmatic campaigns and especially execution is quite a thick wall. And the more we can kind of bring that down as an industry and foster that type of communication, the more we can really, you know, take control of the power of this technology to speak to to users and consumers in a more effective and interesting way. Absolutely. And that's what I expect too from when I see advertisements. I was like, I need this to be related to like who I am. I need this to speak to me. And that's something even as like an advertiser at an agency, we really stress creative is key <laughs> to your strategy. Yeah. And just think about when you get a very poorly targeted creative and you're like, why am I getting it? That makes no sense. You almost get frustrated and put off by the brand. And then I guess the flip side is when you have friends that aren't in the industry, they always say, how does it work? No one actually clicks on an ad. But we also know the data shows that almost everybody clicks on ads. <laughs> exactly. It's just that you don't realize you are because it's relevant to you. So it just feels like something interesting that you want to click on and you want to follow up on. They don't necessarily see it as an advertisement when it's done effectively. 
Yeah, that's so true. My a lot of my friends don't still don't understand what I do sometimes, and I was like, "I'm following you around." That's all I can tell you. <laughs> so, is there anything else around programmatic media, CTV, privacy that you'd like to add on to this conversation that I may have overlooked in my questions? Yeah, I think that another really interesting thing that's happening right now in programmatic is the increased impact of artificial intelligence. So, I mean, everybody's kind of seen the last couple months, there's a ton of hype around this kind of inflection point with AI because of tools like ChatGPT or, or Google's Bard. And what I think is really neat is when you think about the digital ad space, programmatic specifically, AI has kind of been at the center of programmatic demand-side platforms, which again, for folks who aren't familiar with the terminology, really just means a media buying tool. But AI has kind of been at the center of that since its inception. And I remember learning about bidding algorithms. So the system's brain essentially making a decision whether or not to put an ad on this site or that site or show it to this user or that user at what time of day. All of that's an example of artificial intelligence. And I remember that stuff going as far back as when I first started in 2012. I also completely remember the skepticism that a ton of programmatic practitioners held about trusting a DSP's algorithm to drive performance getting people to just click the button to say, okay, system, turn on your brain and help me deliver this campaign. There was so much resistance in, in folks saying, hey, listen, like, I want to do this myself. I want to manually remove these sites, manually implement day parting. And all of that still exists today. Like It really is kind of a marriage between you know, the expertise that a practitioner can bring and the system's brain. But I just think it's really, really neat that kind of the world is approaching this AI point all at the same time. And I think that that's going to continue to drive innovation in our world. I think that the bidding algorithms and the way our platforms are able to help drive success for a marketer, for an advertiser's digital campaigns, whether that's on CTV, whether that's on display, whether that's on audio, I think it's only going to get better. I think about new features like in DB360, Google's DSP, stuff like custom bidding that really allows a brand and an agency to integrate their own first-party data sets to help inform the way the system makes advertising decisions. I just think it's going to be a, a really exciting ride as we watch a lot of these new features mature and kind of reach the next level. And also, like, you know, there's some worry about the impact of AI on the work that we do today. And will it take jobs away? But again, for me, I remember that same worry back in 2012. And I think that if the last 11 years in this industry are any indication it really means that more of the basic tasks will get automated, but the practitioners will have their time actually freed up to spend more and more time on high-value strategic work. So I, I really see the increased prevalence of AI in this space as a, a net positive and certainly not a negative. I think that I've always kind of said that programmatic is this like hidden oasis of jobs within the industry because it's still fairly rarely taught in schools and everybody who's in it basically fell into it to one degree or another. And so I don't think that that changes at all. I think that AI will actually make that even more the case, that there'll be more and more demand for the skills that are able to augment that and really take things to the next level. Which I feel like I've said a lot today, take things to the next level, but it could be the theme of this podcast. <laughs> yes. The year of taking it to the next level. With CTV 2023. And <laughs> yeah, I think if I were to add one last thing, I would say, for the vast majority of what we're trying to do and what we see in the market or what we expect to see in the market over the coming years, the technology is actually already there and probably has been for a couple of years. I think the biggest thing is really around the systemic behaviors and not at necessarily an individual level, but 
the way that teams are set up, the way that people are kind of incentivized to think about the execution and strategic planning behind a lot of this, I think a few small tweaks here and there in terms of, you know, getting people together cross-functionally more to build more collaboration and build more communication. Small things like that, that bring people together and share ideas and educate each other and kind of not to overuse a, a buzzword here, but really push that growth mindset. I think that is going to be the biggest thing for the industry in the next couple of years, more so than any technology. Technology is a wonderful enabler, but the people of the industry are the ones that I think can really make strides in, in moving it forward over the next 24 months or so. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's it's one of the main reasons I love being in this industry is, yes, it is always changing, but it's extremely exciting. There's just new things for us to always try and learn about and just continue to grow the industry as much as it has since 2012. For sure. And, and it's the partnerships across all the companies that are bringing this to life. It's no, no individual group can do it. It's, it's the agencies, it's the tech providers like Google, it's the inventory sources like Rogers and Bell and everybody else. It's the education partners in the industry like Marketing News Canada. All of us together need to do this and, and build that better future for media. Speaking of future media, for those who are just getting started in the digital marketing world, industry, trying to get their foot in the door, a new job, is there any advice that you have for those people? Yeah, I, I would tell those folks a couple things. First, I would say spend as much time as you can trying to meet people that are in the industry that are just a couple of years ahead of you. People are generally, I think, pretty generous with their time. We've all been in that position trying to get our foot in the door and are happy to kind of pay it forward to the next generation of folks trying to, to work their way in. So, so make sure you're reaching out and building connections. That, that, I'd say, is the first thing. And the second thing is try to get yourself some hands-on experience. And the beauty of digital is you don't need to be at a giant agency. You don't need a million-dollar budget to learn some of this stuff. Most companies, especially Google, have a ton of training and certification programs available for free online. And you can take 50 bucks and you can go and you can set up a campaign on Google AdWords and you can learn to do and actually use the tool and actually deliver live ads. You can go and find charities that you're passionate about and offer to volunteer and, and help them. And I think showing the initiative and showing that you've taken the time to learn and actually use them and put live ads in market, I think that, that shows a tremendous amount of character and growth. Um, and I, I, I'd be keen to hire anybody who takes the time to do that. Yeah, I think personally, the biggest thing is not being intimidated by how complex it all seems. As Ben said, there's a tremendous amount of certification programs out there for free online from a lot of the major tech players. Google's is called Grow with Google. So just go ahead and Google Grow with Google and you'll find it. And those are like actual certifications that will teach you how to use our tools that will teach you about the industry. So what I think is really, really neat is that information's out there. It's at your fingertips. If you're looking to get started and you don't know how, that's a really good place to start. I think also there's a tremendous amount of thought leadership in the industry, looking at different sources, you know, different industry trade magazines, things like that, or different industry trade websites, I guess I should say, things like that, <laughs> uh, as well as, you know, YouTubers in the space who do their own trainings and offer their own tips and tricks for the different platforms that are available. I think it's all kind of out there. And I think, you know, Ben is really, really big on LinkedIn. Anybody listening to this, Ben would love for you to add him on LinkedIn right now. <laughs> shameless. But, um, shameless. Shameless plug for Ben's uh, LinkedIn page. But I think that that's a really, really valid point. Like people getting into the space 
I think that because everybody kind of ended up here in this weird organic way that mixes luck and different opportunities, I think that there's actually a tremendous amount of willingness to pay it forward and as Ben said, give back to the next generation. So occasionally, you know, I'll get messages on LinkedIn from folks that I've never met before. And I'm most of the time totally happy to have a coffee, talk a little bit about, you know, my career journey and the different things that I, I think that that person could be focusing on depending on their circumstance. So I think it's a really, really friendly industry, especially within Canada. And people are generally really willing to kind of help get people started. Yeah, that's great advice. And it's what I did too when I was just starting and moving into the more the digital marketing area is I reached out to someone on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, you have the background that I'm interested in pursuing. And she's more than happy to hop on a call. So great advice. Anyone listening, I would definitely follow follow both of those pieces of advice. But that concludes our programmatic chat. Thank you both for joining us today. And again, Ben Wise would love it if you added him on LinkedIn. <laughs> so would dare. So would dare. And so I would dare. Less, oh, but you, right. you are welcome to as well. You're Ben's welcome. a LinkedIn guy. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for having us, Cheryl. It's, it's been great to have the chance to go deeper and talk about some of these things and you know, excited for the future of programmatic of us and the whole industry working on it together. Yeah, this has been great, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having us. No problem. Happy to have you again, potentially. 2027, you're another CTV. You're a CTV. <laughs> Holographic CTV. CTV. We've got our speaking notes ready to go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you all for joining and we'll catch you another time on an episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.